It's Monday, May 8th, 2017. We're on chapter 41 of the Tao Te Ching. I'm going to read from Chu Takao's translation today. This is from 1904. Here it is. When the superior scholar is told of Tao, he works hard to practice it. When the middling scholar is told of Tao, it seems that sometimes he keeps it and sometimes he loses it. When the inferior scholar is told of Tao, he laughs aloud at it. If it were not laughed at, it would not be sufficient to be Tao. Therefore, the proverb says, Tao and enlightenment seems obscure. Tao and progress seems regressive. The highest virtue seems like a valley. The purest white seems discolored. The most magnificent virtue seems insufficient. The solidest virtue seems frail. The simplest nature seems changeable. The greatest square has no angles. The largest vessel is never complete. The loudest sound can never be heard. The biggest form can never be visualized. Tao, while hidden, is nameless. Yet it is Tao alone that is good at imparting and completing. We'll sit for 10 minutes. Find a nice upright posture for yourself. Um, after the discussion today, we'll do a, a short gratitude practice as well. Let your breath come from the belly and let's begin. See if you can allow yourself to be present with whatever emotions are inside of you right now. As you breathe from the belly, just be in this moment. And notice what you're feeling as you're in this moment. probably have a label for that feeling. Good, bad, happy, sad, anger, fear, joy, shame, contentment. Those labels can help with our understanding, but for right now, 
See if you can feel past the words. See if you can feel into the deeper truth of it. What's true for you? Let's stay with the sensations now. If you've wandered into thought, that's okay. Now is a reminder to come back to the sensations. Come back to your experience in this moment. Future and past are in your imagination. And they can really only exist in the present. So as we're here together in the present, ground yourself in the sensation of it. Just allow yourself to fully experience it.
Still breathing from the belly now. Let your awareness come up to your solar plexus. Or if your awareness is in your head right now, let it come down to your solar plexus. Just notice what's in there. And now bring your awareness up to your chest, to your heart. Keep your breath coming from your belly. But now see if you can notice what's in your heart. What's there, you know, and if labels come up, that's okay. You want to put words to it, that's okay. As those words arise, just return to the feeling. What's in your heart? Now, let your awareness come up to your throat, to your neck. To the source of your voice. And notice what's present there. Breath still coming from the belly. We're still existing in this moment and noticing what's in our throat. You know, I like chapter 41 a lot. It, um, it's one of those ones that really captivated me when I first read the Tao Te Ching. It, it puzzled me. 
It seemed when I first read it as if it didn't make sense, and yet at the same time there was something in it that was, um, there was there was something in it I suppose that did make sense that resonated for me, but I couldn't understand what when I first read it. You know, it seemed like when I first read it, well, this goes against everything that I've been taught, everything that I know to be true from what I see when I look around me about who succeeds and who doesn't in the world. So what the fuck does this actually mean? Let's reread it. When the superior scholar is told of Tao, he works hard to practice it. When the middling scholar is told of Tao, it seems that sometimes he keeps it and sometimes he loses it. When the inferior scholar is told of Tao, he laughs aloud at it. If it were not laughed at, it would not be sufficient to be Tao. Therefore, the proverb says, Tao in enlightenment seems obscure. Tao in progress seems regressive. The highest virtue seems like a valley. The purest white seems discolored. The most magnificent virtue seems insufficient. The solidest virtue seems frail. The simplest nature seems changeable. The greatest square has no angles. The largest vessel is never complete. The loudest sound can never be heard. The biggest form cannot be visualized. Tao, while hidden, is nameless. Yet it is Tao alone that is good at imparting and completing. When the inferior scholar is told of Tao, he laughs aloud at it. If it were not laughed at, it would not be sufficient to be Tao. Yeah. So when I was young, I may have laughed at this. I may have snickered. I don't remember. But it certainly seems possible. Because to just take these words at face value doesn't seem to make sense. You know, what is this Tao? This way, this path that we keep talking about? And what is the point of discussing it if everything is the way. You know, in other words, if the Tao encompasses everything and people's shitty behavior is just as much a part of the Tao as people's goodness, and very often goodness is just bullshit anyway, as the Tao teaches us, then why even dwell on this path, this way? Why even attempt to understand it? Is it even possible through your efforts to become a better person? What does it mean to become a better person? To be kinder to others, to be more compassionate? Uh, maybe this seems like philosophical bullshit. Maybe it just sounds confusing. But I'm inviting you to ask yourself in, in all earnestness this question. 
is it possible to become a better person? And if your answer is just yes, then I'm going to also invite you to go deeper than that simple yes. Yes, it is, and here's why. You see, you can become more compassionate, and once you're more compassionate, then you're a better person, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I get it. But what lies underneath all that? Can you examine all of your assumptions? You know, what does it really mean to follow the Tao if everything is part of the Tao? Because you do get a sense as you read the Tao Te Ching that they are saying that there is some path that looks more like the Tao than other paths. But it's not really that simple. Because even when you're behaving in a way that's not being true to yourself, then that's still your truth. But the tragedy of it is that you don't see that or recognize that. And it's, it's sort of, it's not your truth in the sense that it's something that came from the culture that sort of washed over you and created you. And now you are um, being buffeted by the wind. But it still is your truth in that moment. Okay, there are no easy answers to this. Yeah. The proverb says, Tao and enlightenment seems obscure. Tao and progress seems regressive. Highest virtue is like a valley. Purest white seems discolored. Most magnificent virtue seems insufficient. The solidest virtue seems frail. The simplest nature seems changeable. And then it gets a little strange from there. The greatest square has no angles. The largest vessels never complete. The loudest sound can never be heard. The biggest form cannot be visualized. Yeah. Contradictions. If I could offer a lesson from this section, that lesson would go something like, real virtue is not going to look the way that you expected that it would. So what does that mean? Um, maybe, maybe, if you're looking to Gandhi or Mother Teresa as examples of virtue, um, try looking harder. Maybe real virtue doesn't quite look like that. There's a Zen proverb, which I'm going to get wrong here, but it goes something like, before enlightenment, sweeping the floors. After enlightenment, sweeping the floors. In other words, the external pattern of behavior is not changed. And it's still simple tasks. And having said that, I'm going to remind myself and you in the process of giving this reminder that... Um, Whenever we set enlightenment out as a goal for ourselves, we just fucked up. Because that's not the way that enlightenment works. It's not something that we should necessarily see as um, a goal to achieve, is my point. 
and I think the the elements of Buddhism that focus on that aspect of things have gotten it wrong, for lack of a better word. Because now they just gave everybody something to achieve. And waking up to what's happening around us isn't like that. Okay, let's take a little bit of time together for a gratitude practice. And the way that this works is we'll sit quietly for 30 or 40 seconds. And what I like to do is um, think of something that I'm grateful for that's fairly specific first. And then over the course of that 30 seconds, think of, oh, a couple more things um, that are progressively more general. So I might start off specifically by thinking about how I like the coffee that I'm drinking or something like that and uh, move on to my health or my family and then to something even broader than that, like grateful for the atmosphere, for the oxygen in it. But those are just my examples. Um, I encourage you to think of your own. And as always, if this isn't enough time, then please take time during the day to notice what you're grateful for. It's, yeah, it's a great practice. All right, here we go. We'll sit for uh, about 40 seconds. Let's begin. All right, that will do it for today. As always, thank you for sitting with me. I'm grateful that you're joining me on this journey. If you find that this is a beneficial practice for you, I hope you stay with it. Have a good day.